Welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and on this episode, we're going to be getting into the golden goal rule, the history, some major examples, why it stopped being utilized, and our solutions for overtime going forward. To have that conversation, I'm joined by two fellows. Up first is Joe Lowry. Joe, great to talk to you. Congrats on being introduced first. Wow. Thank you. It is an honor and a privilege, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Holy cow. Yeah, Joe is up first, and Graham, unfortunately, Joe already said hello, so he's now won the podcast because we're going with Golden Goal Introductions. Uh, Would you prefer to spend (laughs) the rest of the episode talking about your current recording setup, which I believe you said is akin to a Victorian woman's dress cage? (laughs) Yeah, well, the thing is, I'm Scottish, so second place is still a success in my (laughs) mind. So, playoffs, baby. Woo! That's that's good. (laughs) Ever the optimist. I appreciate that, Graham. I appreciate that both of you are here to talk about Golden Goals. Let's start with just the basic idea for people who are new, for people who don't know what that is. Joe Lowry, what is Golden Goal? Uh, What does it mean? So at its very core, Golden Goal Mm -hmm. is just another way of deciding who wins a game. So specifically, it's applied to extra time after regulation in a soccer game. So if a game is tied after regulation, a Golden Goal means that whichever team scores first after regulation in that extra time period is the winner. So if, if my team's playing Graham's team and it's tied 1-1 after regulation, we go to extra time and Graham's team scores first, that means he does win and he doesn't come in second in that particular instance. So at that point, Graham's team will have scored the golden goal. I played this a lot in soccer growing up just for fun. And I played it honestly more in foosball. It can be applied to all sorts of different sports, hockey, soccer, foosball. And it, our games were just going too long and we would play win by two and we could never actually distance ourselves two points from whoever you know of our other friends was playing and so we finally just decided to cap it and use golden goal and that kept our games a little bit shorter and and made them a little bit more exciting towards the end of things and i think that's what soccer was trying to do back in the 90s with this rule taylor yeah joe i hadn't actually thought of that that's exactly what we do if i have sides here so it doesn't matter if one team's winning you know a hundred to one (laughs) you you get to you get one minute from the end of your time on the pitch and you go right next goal goal. That's, that is essentially golden goal. <laughs> yeah, we would we would do that as well, Graham. And then the other team, I you know, if my team's losing, the other team would shut that down real quick and say, "Now nah, we're up by like six. We're not playing golden goal right now." <laughs> so, all right. So, golden goal originally introduced in the early 1990s, trialed in 1993. It runs through the 90s into the 2000s, early 2000s. Graham, I was telling my wife about how I feel like the 1990s can be very well categorized the way the WWE now does, which is to say that like that period of time was the Attitude Era. And I think about Jinkos <laughs> and Surge Cola. And 90s just seem very Attitude Era to me. And therefore, it seems very appropriate that Golden Goal was in the 90s. Yeah, so the, some important context, which is, uh, which is what I think you're getting at here, about the circumstances that led to the introduction mm-hmm. of the Golden Goal Rule. Um, I guess we should probably look at the 1990 World Cup when teams were perceived we? at that time to Must be... We? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, the way you react to that tells you a lot about that World <laughs> Cup and what I'm going to go on to, to explain. That, that tournament, was there was a, teams that were um, perceived to be using how shall we say, the dark arts and negative tactics to play for draws. And so this was one measure that FIFA, the golden goal rule, was, it was one, one measure that FIFA believed would help prevent this, at least in extra time in major tournaments. And the 1990s was a period of transition for the sport in terms of its laws. So mm-hmm. you had the implementation of the, the back pass rule, which we take 
as a given now in the modern sport, but back in the day, goalkeepers were able to pick up back passes, which made time wasting very easy uh, and very frustrating for the opposition team. You had relaxation of the offside law in, in certain ways. So there was, there was more freedom for changes to be made to the, the laws of the game in the spirit of experimentation. And the golden goal, I guess, was one of those experiments. I do like to think that there were like two rival factions, one of whom was advocating for the implementation of the backpass rule. One was advocating for golden goal. They went for both. And I think we, we see which one ended up uh, working out better because we still have uh, no backpasses to the goalkeeper. Or they can't pick it up. Golden goal, no longer the case. And we're going to talk about why that is. But first, let's talk about some of the uh, usages of golden goal, because I think in my mind it was used like like very briefly and didn't really work at all and then was abandoned pretty quickly. And I guess in the grand scheme of like the history of soccer, it probably was, but used in a lot more tournaments than I remembered and had more of an impact than I remembered, Joe. Absolutely. And you already mentioned, Taylor, that, that 1993 World Youth Cup that it was sort of test driven at. Uh, and, and so we saw it coming in in the early 90s. It was used in Major League Soccer in MLS Cup in 1996. Eddie Pope scored the golden goal to win that first ever MLS Cup for DC United. There was a big example in Euro 96. That was kind of the biggest stage that golden goal had appeared on. Germany taking on Czech Republic in the final. Striker Oliver Bierhoff came off the bench and scored an equalizer to get the game into extra time. And then he scored the golden goal to win it. And that was a big moment for this rule and, and a big moment for that German team, of course course. Throughout the, the 90s and 2000s, there's other examples. Before we started recording, Graham was saying how it, it felt like all of the Golden Goal examples had something to do with France. And Graham, to be honest, you're right. A lot of them did because 98, it happened. 2000, it happened. And I'll leave it to you guys to, to dive into those examples a bit more. But during this period in the mid to late 90s into the 2000s, we were seeing this rule have some pretty big effects at a number of different tournaments. Joe, just going back to the, the Bierhoff goal, what you mentioned there at Euro 96, which I think is fair to say is the, the, the first truly consequential golden goal on, on the biggest stage. Obviously, there had been, you know, finals and, and youth tournaments and so on had been used in, but, you know, Euro, the Euros are a, a step up, I think it's fair to say. When watching that, that goal back, the golden goal that Bierhoff scores, it's interesting to see the, the Czech players not really realizing initially yeah. that they, that they had lost the match. So it was, it was clear already, you know, that's only three years after the, the introduction of the law. At Euro 96, the golden goal, it, it, it still hadn't really embedded in the minds of players. And at, and at Euro 96 as well, we saw a series of kind of tepid extra time periods. So no matter which way you look at it, the, the early signs were that this wasn't really taking root in the game. And you could see that in the reaction of the players. And it's, it's fascinating to me because imagine try, it's like learning a new skill in soccer or trying to break a habit, like, a, like a bad skill that you learned growing up. Maybe it's a, a blind turn where you're not checking your shoulders or, or something like that. It's hard to break those habits. It's hard to rewrite how you think about soccer or how you're playing. And so if you're a Czech player in that moment, you're not really thinking about goal and goal because you've grown up playing in a completely different way. So it's just a fascinating example to me, Graham. Graham, when we're talking about the legacy of Golden Goal, I think there are three winners in my mind. Oliver Bierhoff uh, is one because it sort of immortalized that goal. Mm -hmm. I would say David Trezeguet uh, in the yep. final of Euro 2000 versus Italy. And then, like broadly speaking, just France, the French national team <laughs> on the whole. Yeah. Uh, is that a fair one, two, three? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as Joe kind of referenced there when we're doing our research, a lot of the, the, the most famous examples of the Golden Goal, and to be fair, there aren't actually many golden goal really to pick from but a lot of them are French and benefited them <laughs> in some way so you mentioned that the David Tre Trezeguet goal there 
in my mind, that is the most famous golden goal of, of all time because it's the, the final of Euro 2020, sorry, not 2020, Euro 2000 um, for France against Italy. So, you know, two very, two heavyweight nations in the final of that tournament as well. And it's such an iconic goal to finish into the roof of the net after peeling away from his, from his uh, marker. There was a time when Trezeguet was one of the best strikers in Europe. Obviously, Juventus was was where he, he he did a lot of his work. And for me, this was his greatest moment. You know, when you think of David Trezeguet, this is the, the, the goal you think of. So it's probably the most iconic one. You then also have Laurent Blanc scoring a, a golden goal winner for France against Paraguay two years earlier at the at France 98 in the round of 16. That was the, the, the first and only golden goal at that tournament. But then you have... Uh, skipping back to Euro uh, 2000, you have Zidane scoring a, a golden goal for France in the semi-finals against Portugal, as as well. So you have France scoring one in the in the semi-finals and then the final of that tournament. And then you also have the 2003 Confederations Cup, uh, Confederations Cup, where you have Thierry Henry scoring a golden goal for France against Cameroon in the final of that tournament. And uh, yeah, as you say, it benefited them uh, a lot. A lot of their that was a golden period for French football. You know, they won ninety eight, two thousand, and Confederations Cup, and uh, a lot of those moments were uh, born out of the golden goal. And you do still have it in two thousand two. I think there's three instances at the two thousand two World Cup, but none of those I think as like historically remembered. Maybe largely because one of those was South Korea winning over Italy, and that game yeah. is remembered for a lot of other reasons aside from oh, the yeah. Golden Goal. <laughs> and then I think Turkey's just overall run, uh, finishing in third in that tournament. Uh, they do have a Golden Goal victory over uh, South Korea, I believe it is, along the way. Or no, it was Senegal, Senegal along the way. But I think because of the run they went on, that run is remembered more than the Golden Goal. So that's yeah. not one. I think when I was like trying to come up with the ones that I remembered from history, I kind of thought it was gone by 2002. So interesting to learn it was not, but also not. Not surprising to realize that not a lot of those goals were particularly well remembered. <laughs> yeah, not- and 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 just sorry to skip back again to Euro two thousand. Um, has anyone seen kind of Luis Figo's reaction to the yeah. the Zidane goal? So he he's already walking down the tunnel when Zidane yeah. is is you know he before he's taken his penalty, he kind of hangs around to see it um, from the tunnel tunnel entry whether it is going in. But he's already on his way down to the dressing room. So like I think you can tell from his reaction that. It wasn't a very popular rule with players. You know, it was, it, that was as much a reaction for me anyway, reading his body language against the rule as it was against like losing that match. Um, and so it is not surprising to me, given that we didn't see it very often. And when we did see it, it didn't, it wasn't very popular with players or fans or so on. It, yeah. Not surprising to me that it didn't last long. Graham, that that uh, game in that instance was one of those moments where I feel like whoever was covering that match or the match report that I read sort of had it pre-written and then had to change it because the way the build-up was written was that Zidane was definitely going to miss because, like, Figo, like... It was already decided such that Figo like prematurely walked down walked down towards the tunnel and had given up, and then Zidane scored, and it was just like, oh, okay, so he was correct then. That was the correct decision <laughs> was to prematurely walk off. Uh, so we'll talk then about if there were these moments uh, that were sort of historically significant or do stand out. Why did we move away from Golden Goal? What were the kind of problems with it? What were the other implementations sort of that spun off of it, and then what would we like to see done with extra time, overtime, and penalties and all that good stuff? But first, we'll take a break to hear from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Going online without ExpressVPN is like using your smartphone without a protective case. Most of the time, you'll probably be fine, but all it takes is one accidental drop onto solid concrete to make you wish you had protected yourself. I have done that 
so many times with so many phones, I do immediately wish that I had gone for the indestructible case, or in this case, indestructible ExpressVPN. Because every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, whatever they might be, your online data is not secured. And any hacker, a 12-year-old hacker, let's say, on the same network could gain access and steal your personal data, passwords, financial details, you name it. But that is why you get ExpressVPN, because it creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the Internet that hackers cannot get into. They cannot breach. They cannot steal your sensitive data. Or I guess they could, but it would take over a billion years with a supercomputer to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. So you can fire up the app, click one button to get protected, and away you go. It works on all devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more. And a key thing about ExpressVPN that we have talked about before, but we experience whenever we use it, is that you don't have that massive drop-off that you might get with other VPN services where the speed will throttle and then you're not able to get access to what you would like to or it gets all pixelated and blurry. Nobody needs that. ExpressVPN keeps it going, keeps it quick, but keeps you securely connected. So secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash soccer. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash soccer and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash soccer for an extra three months for free. Thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring today's show and keeping us all secure. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. Slow is right if you're on vacation. I can attest to that. I was on vacation last week. I enjoyed taking things at a leisurely pace. But when it comes to taking control of your financials, your inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, slow is not ideal. In fact, I would say it's the opposite of ideal, and that is why now is the time to make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one financial system. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time, no matter how big your business grows. Failing to switch to NetSuite will leave you stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be stuck behind. It doesn't go well, uh, unless you're a tortoise and a hare, unless those competitors are very arrogant. But if they're not, you don't want to be behind. You want to be ahead. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control since switching to NetSuite. And right now, special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to netsuite.com slash sports right now. Get special financing at netsuite.com slash sports. netsuite.com slash sports. Thank you very much to NetSuite for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to the show. All right, gentlemen, we have talked about Golden Goal, why it came to be, when it was utilized, how it was utilized, the biggest moments of it, but we haven't really gotten into what it actually did, because the goal would have been to create more attacking play, Joe Lowry, but it doesn't seem like that ended up being the case. For every example of a dramatic goal in the 95th minute or the 115th minute, there are plenty of other games that still ended up going to penalties. Absolutely. And and maybe this is me being naive or, or proud. It feels like we could have seen this coming as a soccer society, right? Uh, apparently, Golden Goal wasn't actually helping to improve the quality or excitement levels in extra time. And that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, teams mm-hmm. are still going to be cautious either way. One team is still trying to not lose. Teams are still trying yeah. not to lose. It, it, honestly, it doesn't make sense to me as to how 
someone thought that this would change things at all because either way, you're trying to protect yourself and not lose a game. We see that in the actual extra time rules that we have now and in the rules that predated the golden goal rule and some of the variations that followed it. It doesn't actually change anything. One team is still attempting sort of to score a goal and the other team is not. And instead of actually exposing themselves and going forward, teams default to playing backwards and into being cautious and being in their own halves and not really taking the bait. And so I, I can sort of see why this didn't work and it almost baffles my mind as to boggles my mind as to why it was tried in the first place, guys. I can understand how you could create enough scenarios to see it working. Because you could think, oh, a team could try to blitz the other team in the first couple minutes of of extra time and make something happen there. Or it could be two teams just kind of like going at it. The way the Rocky movies depict boxing is essentially what I what I picture they think thought Golden Goal would be, with just two teams slugging each other back and forth and up and down it being this frenetic game. Or if you were the dominant team, you'll be even more dominant. You'll be sensing that there's blood in the water, we can make something happen. And to my understanding and to my memory, the reality was the opposite, that those teams that were dominating became that much more afraid of being countered, and suddenly you go from being completely dominant to losing a game because you gave up one counterattack goal, and that's it. So those teams then sit off more, the other team continues to sit off, and you're essentially just extending a game for 30 minutes while everybody plays for penalties. Graham, am I being too harsh, or was that your sort of read on why things didn't work for Golden Goal? Yeah, that, that, that's my read as well. And I wonder, so when you have a, a change of the laws now, you will often get test matches. So mm-hmm. FIFA or IFAB will, will test a, a law in a, in a exhibition match or so on. Did they do that for this, for this law change? Cause I feel like, uh, maybe they didn't because as, as Joe says, surely they could have seen this, seen this one coming. Um, and it didn't last very long. Actually, going back and looking at when this was taking out of the laws of the game, it was in uh, February. 2004. So when you consider that it was introduced in 93, mm-hmm. that is a, that is a longer period than I actually yeah. realized this was around for. I, I always had it in my mind. It was kind of 98 to even 2000. I, I don't even yep. remember it really being at the 2002 World Cup. So the fact that this was around for 11 years and we should say that it, it wasn't actually, it wasn't compulsory for tournaments. So FIFA had it as an option in the laws of the game. So not every competition and tournament did actually adopt it over that time. It was up to them whether they wanted to do so. But yeah. 11 years of the golden goal. That's longer than I, than I thought it was. I think sometimes FIFA trials things, and then sometimes yeah, FIFA trials things. And this feels like one of the latter, where uh, like in 93, they go for it. It works in the World Youth Cup. There's a goal. Hey, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. But I think youth tournaments are inherently more unpredictable because you can still get those. When it's U17s or U20s, you can still get like the ball bouncing over a player because they're still very young, and especially in the early 90s, they're still pretty inexperienced. And so I think... There can be a little bit more chaos. I think there's also less on the line in a youth World Cup than there is in an actual World Cup. And so maybe coaches are going to roll the dice and try to make something happen or do something unpredictable, especially when a law is being trialed. In a World Cup, I I don't think there's going to be that level of freedom. So I think even trialing it, you might have been looking for ways that it was going to work and then sort of rolling with those, assuming it would continue on, and then slowly realizing that this hasn't really done that much. And I think that's kind of where I am on Golden Goal after doing a bunch of reading about it is I think I assumed it was just an unmitigated failure that everybody got really cautious. Everybody got, got, everybody got defensive and it was just created more boring soccer. And it seems like that was the case for a lot of games, but not every game. 
Mm-hmm. And you do yeah. have these big moments. And so I think in the end, it was just a sort of like, it's like a C plus idea. Like, it's fine. It's okay. It's not great. And so I can see why they experimented with other ideas and why ultimately they went back to the two halves of 15 minutes uh, a piece. Yeah, you, you mentioned big moments there. And I think that is the one thing it did give us, you know, the, the Beerhoff goal and in, in particular the Trezeguet goal. So I was actually in France for that, that Trezeguet goal. I, that's maybe why I, why I remember it so vividly. And so, you know, when, when we, um, shift the discussion slightly to VAR, so one of the cr- criticisms of VAR is that players don't really celebrate with, or in some cases they haven't celebrated with the same kind of gusto because they're waiting for the review to happen. That is the complete opposite for golden goal. So when David Trezeguet scores that goal, it's like a, a, a moment you wouldn't believe. You know, it's, it's something that you don't really get to see in soccer besides maybe a, a penalty, you know, a winning penalty or a penalty save, I guess, that wins a competition. So for those, for those couple moment moments, Golden Goal did contribute to something that sticks in my memory. Yeah. But on the whole, it, it, I don't think it contributed much to the sport. I'm so happy it doesn't exist anymore uh, w- just because of what you said, Graham, because now I'm thinking about a world in which Golden Goal still still exists, but VAR also exists because then oh, you'd yeah. have the Golden Goal. <laughs> oh, but it's got to go to review. And is he offside? We're not sure. Nope, he was onside. And then there's that sort of like, oh, OK, it's a goal. Yay. Like everybody, like, you would definitely get a much delayed celebration. But the idea of Golden Goal being it's this incredibly emotional moment. Yeah. I think those two stand at odds that I can't see them working out and, too well. And then, and then nobody he's told the trophy engraver not to start and <laughs> he or she started engraving the trophy before the VAR reviews started. Nightmare. And, and then like absentmindedly uh, starts writing VAR in there at some yeah. point because that gets uh. written a couple times or said a couple times. So yeah, I'm glad we've moved away from it. I do want to talk about uh, some of the other uh, things that were tried because after Golden Goal goes away, Joe, we move to Silver Goal, which really doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like they just wanted to like try another idea and oh. have it be peripherally related to Golden Goal. Oh, that's basically what it is. So Silver Goal was an attempt to bridge the gap, I, I guess, between Golden Goal and the regular classic extra time rule that we have now. Don't try and give it some rationale, this. Joe. It, 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 so I'll explain the rule quickly and then we can talk about how dumb it is. The Silver Goal rule said that the goal scored in extra time wouldn't immediately win the match like it would in Golden Goal. But if a goal was scored in the first half, so the first period of extra time, and the opposition didn't equalize, then the match would be over. So this popped up at Euro 2004 in Portugal, the Czech Republic versus Greece, and the semifinals, Greek defender Trinos Delas scored a header to beat Peter Cech in the final seconds of that first half of extra time, I should say, to win the game for Greece. So it did pop up in a pretty major scene in a pretty big game. But like we've been saying, this this rule makes no sense. I already kind of talked about how the golden goal rule doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. This one, even less so. The only value I can see is that it gets us one step closer to bronze goal. I don't really know what that would be, but uh, I like the progression from gold to silver to bronze. <laughs> As everyone just sort of acknowledges that the rules are getting worse and worse and worse by the, the value of the medal, guys. I, I think if the justification for golden goal or silver goal had been we're seeing too many injuries in extra time and there's too many minutes being played and the minutes being played are leading to more strains and pulls and tears and so we need to do something to limit the time of a game then maybe it makes sense but when you have the kind of idea of you score a goal and then the other team gets a a chance to respond all you're doing is sort of limiting the time they can respond and there was one incident Graham I don't know if you read about but it was like that the goal happened at the very end of the first half of 
of overtime, and so it like was effectively a golden goal and led to a ton of confusion about well, if it scored right at the end, don't we get more time? Or and I think it's just that type of confusion is never a thing you want when you're bringing in new rules. Yeah, I, I didn't read about that that case, but that is one scenario that I could envisage. Again, this that you know, going back to what Joe said, you could envisage that being a problem, yeah. and yet FIFA didn't really seem to do anything to to combat that yeah silver yeah. goal i mean golden goal i can I, th- I think it was stupid but at least it had it produced a few good moments silver goal i just i, I don't know i can't i can't explain that one <laughs> and i think oftentimes by the time a game has gone into extra time uh or overtime for our american listeners uh like when the goal does happen if there is a goal in that first half of extra time a lot of times i find myself sort of disappointed because at that point i'm so invested in the game that it's like no let's keep this going like i've been here for two hours why not stick around for another half an hour <laughs> so i the idea of golden goal on the surface seems really exciting and thrilling and then simultaneously i picture being a neutral or being on the opposite side yeah. and just being like well that's the end of that. That's disappointing. Like, at least with a couple extra minutes, you can sort of get your head right to, or believe until the very end, whereas sudden death is sudden death, and Let, I don't know how not, much I would need that. Yeah, let's not kid ourselves. As neutrals, once you get to extra time, everyone's thinking about the penalty shootout. Yep. And so ending extra time early and eliminating the chance of a penalty shootout doesn't seem like a way of uh, creating excitement. In fact, it seems like the opposite, yeah. like, you know, dulling some excitement and... and you know that that brings me to the what the change that I would make that wouldn't be a golden goal or a silver silver goal. I want to hear about that change, Graham. But first, I want to talk about the Caribbean Cup for a moment. Oh yeah, oh yes. Oh yeah. Can yes. you please do your best to summarize the events of the Caribbean Cup? Right, I will try my best. <laughs> so, the organizers of the 1994 uh, Caribbean Cup implemented a rule. So, I am reading from my notes here because it is quite a complicated uh, case, but funny nonetheless. Implemented a rule stating that any group stage matches ending in a draw would result in a golden goal period. To compound the bizarreness, it was decided that any golden goal would count as double. Right, so the, what yes. that created yes. was a scenario where, and again, I'm going to I'm going to read this. This is from these football times who who they have a, a an account of the story that unfolded. So, with seven minutes left of normal time, Barbados were leaving leading two one and in desperate need of another goal to avoid elimination. With the clock running down, the disheartened Barbadians became resigned to the unlikelihood of finding a third goal and decided their best chance of qualification was to exploit the gaping loophole in the bizarre rule. In 87th minute, Barbados defender Terry Seeley and goalkeeper Horace Stout began to pass the ball back and forth before Seeley deliberately put the ball in his own goal (laughs) to take the game into extra time. With tournament officials already resigned to collecting their P45s, <laughs> the last few minutes of normal time would serve to further compound, compound the utter stupidity of the rule as Barbados valiantly defended both goals while Gr- Granada tried in vain to score at either end. Oh. <laughs> in a fitting conclusion, Barbados would get the golden goal and advance at Granada's expense. But by this point, the, re- the results seemed neither here nor there as journalists around the world had a field day. <laughs> <laughs> This story is incredible. The logic behind it, incredible in a negative way. I, for the life of me, cannot understand a single reason why a goal would be more valued in extra time. Because 
it would make sense if you weren't doing golden goal, because then it's like, oh, like if you score in the first half, you get two goals, and then the second half, you got to fight even harder. It does not make sense to me to have it be two goals, because then it's like, okay, we scored a, sco- scored a golden goal, and now we won three to one instead of two to one. Like the only impact it would have is on goal difference or <laughs> to create chaos, as we saw. So I'm inclined to believe that like the Joker from The Dark Knight is the one who came up with this idea, Joe. So good. Oh my goodness gracious. Everything about this story is insane. The rationale behind making this decision to give Golden Goals extra value, again, Taylor, like you're saying, makes no sense. The big brain from Barbados to actually pull this off <laughs> and, and realize, okay, if we try to score on ourselves, then Granada actually needs to defend both goals, like you mentioned, Graham. The scenes there are phenomenal, right? Imagine trying to defend both goals in a soccer game at the same time. It's incredible, right? I can't even fathom now what that would look like. And it is a beautiful thing that happened on that field between Barbados and Granada. Everything <laughs> about this story... I love so, so much. This is hands down the best thing to ever come out of the golden goal rule. And this is really the only reason why I'm sad it doesn't exist anymore. Whoever, whoever came up with this is either an idiot or an, or a genius. I think they uh, might be a genius, Graham. They might be yeah. smarter than all of us. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, a, a genius in bringing attention to the Caribbean Cup, a competition I wasn't really even aware of until this story. So at least it accomplished that. Less so like overall results and stability, uh, which leads us to, Graham, a thing you mentioned previously, solutions to extra time if we want to try to solve extra time again. Right now it's the two 15-minute periods, and then uh-huh. generally speaking we're going to penalties or somehow everybody scores in the 118th minute. But if we did want to change it up, Graham, what would you go for? So my solution to the extra time problem is no extra time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Extra time is not a very yes. good tiebreaker, is it? We have these two teams that can't be separated. How shall we separate them? Here's an idea. Let's have them play for 30 minutes more. No, extra time very rarely produces great football moments, but penalty shootouts do. So in my opinion, <laughs> go straight to penalties. Any changes to the shootout, Graham? Like, are you adding, making it 10 rounds instead of five, or is it just as it, as it is, you're just getting rid of overtime entirely? Yeah, so taking a leaf out of Barbados's book, the penalty shooter can score into either goal, and so the goalkeeper needs to choose which goal he's going to protect. No, I'm only kidding. I like that idea. I like that idea. Uh, Joe, what about you? What do you make of Graham's idea, or do you have any of your own? No, I, I'm so down for Graham's idea. I'd written okay. down the exact same thing. I don't enjoy watching extra time. I don't think it's a very fun thing to pay attention to, right? I mean, it just isn't generally that entertaining. And I know that that's the heart of why the whole golden goal and, and maybe silver goal for being generous rules came about. But it didn't accomplish that. And, and what we have now doesn't really do a great job of, of making the end of games exciting either. So I'm all for completely skipping extra time, going straight to penalties. You can bring back goalie wars if you'd like. I, I'm also, Taylor, I know this is an idea that you've had before, and so I can let you expound upon it if, if you'd like. I'm into the idea of taking a player off every few minutes as oh, the yeah. game gets on in length, right? Take a player off at the end of regulation, making it 10v10, and then take another player off every five minutes and have yep. it down to uh, only a few players on the field if you're in the second half of extra time, right? I think that would be a much more entertaining. Maybe it, it compromises the integrity of the competition, like blah, blah, blah. But yeah, kind of like dodgeball, Graham. Um, you should have to pick who goes off by like chucking a ball at them or kicking a ball at them. Butts yeah. up in the goal, I guess, decides who, who goes off for the other team. There's so many if ways to do this. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That's, that's true. That's my contribution. <laughs> so it's I a just, solid rip torn right there. That's a solid rip torn impression. Extra time just isn't fun. And I think this yeah. would at least maybe make it more fun, even though it's really unlikely to ever happen. 
I do love the removing a play every five minutes. I think what would then happen is you'd get a ton of injuries and a ton of cramp and probably a ton of time wasting. Uh, Taylor, so no, don't I'm kill kind the vibe. of okay with removing extra time. I do. I don't always get into the idea of like the penalty shootout is just random chance and like it's not a good representation of the game because fundamentally it's one v one. You got to score a goal. But I think if you wanted to make it slightly more like a game scenario, we get rid of extra time. We still make it a penalty shootout, but now we have NASL style penalties. Yeah, and I yeah. think then there is an element of skill of unpredictability and really it's going to be harder to score so i think it, it makes it as exciting that's my that's my half-baked are, idea no extra time but nasl penalties are nasl penalties like uh the halfway line penalty that you run or is that mls yeah. early is, are they the same thing like early day mls penalties? Uh, i think it was like 35 yards out is what okay. i remember i think it maybe fluctuated but yeah and then you have five seconds to get your shot off you don't have to have it in the back of the net in five seconds but you still you can't still be in possession after five seconds, which seemed to always be the problem for players because the approach was dribble at the goalkeeper, faint one way, cut the other, and then pass it in. But almost every single time by the time they did that, time had expired. You're, so you get yeah, some creativity in there for sure. You're, you're going to expose the players who can't deal with a one-on-one. Raheem Sterling is not going to deal well with these kind of penalties. <laughs> oh, but that's the best part. It's like the, the ones who just head down, blast it, and, and hope for the best. <laughs> the ones who go for the chip, and then the embarrassing moment when they go for the lob and the goalkeeper hasn't left the line. and So they just have to sit there and watch the ball float in the goalkeeper's hands uh, yeah. <laughs> it's humiliating and embarrassing but also moments of uh sublime glory so that that's my nomination uh or you know bring back golden goal and we'll see what happens why not that seems to be the fifa logic these days it's just like yeah let's try it let's see what happens so maybe we're gonna go with every other year for a world cup why not just have like every other world cup have golden goal and then we'll see which one works better i think if goal if world cups excuse me are gonna be every two years we need to make the golden goal rule like the platinum goal rule or, or the, I don't know, some something more valuable than gold yeah. because we're going to be seeing it so much. Uh, I don't know. It's, all these are bad ideas. So FIFA, you are now thinking like, it. but no, but they, they are bad in the way that FIFA executives would think. So Aha. I expect to see the platinum goal uh, come back and it's, uh, it, it's worth two points if you score from <laughs> midfield or something. Right. And that's how we're going to do it. Uh, anything else to be discussed about golden goal, how it came to be? how it worked out, why it didn't work out, and our solutions to extra time. Anything else, fellas? I think Not we covered me. it all, and I'm, I'm glad this rule is, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> what was it, 17 years in the past? Yeah, <laughs> stay there. It's coming, it's coming back, Graham. It's coming back. Until it does, no. uh, we will be doing many more episodes of Soccer 101. We have many episodes of the Total Soccer Show still to come this week, so hopefully you check all those out, or whatever week you might be listening. But for now, Graham Ruffin, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to chat with me about the Golden Goal. Not a problem. And Jill Lowry, congratulations again for winning by speaking first. And thank you as well for uh, talking Silver Goal and Caribbean Cup and many other topics today. (laughs) Thank you, Taylor. Uh, Listeners, thanks so much for listening. This has been Soccer 101. We'll talk to you very soon.